Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Advanced Kayak Angler. Uh, I had a good weekend, went out, I took day off Friday, caught a couple of good fish, one twenty-two and a half. so it was a lot of fun. Uh, working on my monthly at Myron City Kayak Anglers Monthly, trying to do well in that. And I started finally, because I've had tournaments every weekend, finally started putting live scope on my kayak. So I've been working on, I worked on that a lot of Easter Sunday in the afternoon, so. Getting there, it'll be on there for too long. I didn't want to add it like in in between tournaments because I'd, you know, waste time. I don't know how to use it, you know. Like I understand how to use it, but I haven't used it myself. So I didn't want to do it during a tournament week. So there we go. So this week, we're going to be talking about how to get better. The episode's going to be called Three Ways to Improve Your Kayak Fishing. And I brought on two guys, maybe three. Justin's having some issues, but I've got Sam Cox. Kyler, Kyler Branham and Justin Patrick, if he can make it, he's been having some technical issues, but uh, appreciate y'all being on the show. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I guess. All right. So we'll go ahead and get started. So what this kind of, how this kind of came about is um, I was thinking like all the different, you know, all the different, I watch a lot of YouTube, like everybody. You know, we all watch him, watch everybody's stuff. We were talking about Milliken and other people before the show. But, um, I mean, you know, you watch all his tips. I thought maybe like a condensed down where somebody, if somebody wrote these down, it'd be tips from each person. And then you can kind of go and do your research on each one. So, so what our goal is this, each person's going to say one and then we'll go through all each person has three. And then we'll kind of say a little bit about each one. And if you have a question, you can either ask the angler, you know, shoot them a message. I'm sure Sam or Kyler would be happy to answer any questions you have. Hopefully I'm speaking for y'all. But, uh, you know, if you have any questions, holler at them, me, or do some research. And it's a great place to start. And maybe you'll find one that it's like, oh, man, I wouldn't even think about that. So, you know, a good jumping off point for to get started. Uh, some different things if you're kind of in, in a rut and you're trying to get better, maybe a topic that you haven't thought about. What you should do. So there we go. So that's how I got started. So three ways to improve your fishing. I'll start out since I'm the host and, you know, break the ice here. Uh, first one I have is sharpen your hooks. <clears throat> I think it's not just sharpening your hooks. Like I, inside of my, I have like a Hobie, you know, my compartment. Oh, let's see if we got Justin here. Can you hear us? <laughs> I can hear you now. Heck yeah, man. There we go. And we got Justin Patrick. Go. All right. Yeah, it's, uh, I was fooling in, in uh, StreamYard earlier. So if you don't clear it out of your browser history, oh, wow. then it interferes with the microphone or camera, something like that. So wow. I'm out of practice, man. I, I did not know that. In law, well. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to say I, um, I talked about sharpening your hooks. So it's either having a hook sharpener on your kayak or sharpening them at home if you want to. But sometimes if you're cranking all day, you'll get like a rolled over tip or, you know, every winter I save some money and I go through and sharpen every single hook I have. It's like, you know, just my annual routine or replacing hooks. But um, and a good pair of split ring pliers. I have some that are called like Texas Best. And I've also heard like jewelry ones are really good, mm -hmm. but yeah. um, like a small one, because if you get a big one, they just suck. But um, especially like little split rings, man, they, they get tough. But uh, just paying attention to your hooks. And that can also be, you know, having the right kind of hook, whether it's EWG, light wire, heavy wire, 
just generally overall, I think Kyle Welcher would be a good resource. He talks a lot about hooks, but I, I think once you get, I'm not talking about me, but more of the upper level guys, they start thinking about those minor details, especially hooks that can make such a big difference. There we go. Sam, how about you, man? Um, the, the first thing I said was uh, just uh, pretty much success is contagious, man. You know, surround yourself with people that do well and people that win on, on occasion uh, and that are like-minded like you. Uh, try to learn from those people. Uh, you know, a lot of times we all share breadcrumbs, you know. You know, what you did throughout the day that helped you, you know, that maybe I didn't do. Uh, and, you know, try to pay attention to that stuff and pick up on it. Um, you know, share your success with the other anglers and, and learn from your unsuccessfulness also. Uh, try to see what you can do better. Uh, and that's something, you know, um, like our last tournament with Coleman, uh, you know, you were killing it on a dirt bait. And I never tried a dirt bait all day. You know? yeah. What do you have that about? Is that a cat? No, that's my dog. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know if you were being attacked or what. <laughs> no, that's the dog. All right. Yeah, I, I, I will say that, like, you know, especially whenever you're on the water, like in a tournament and talking to somebody afterwards and find out, you know, like you're saying what I threw that day or what you threw one day, like find out specifically what you didn't do that day. I find those most, like most helpful, not just, oh, I went out today and I caught them on a lipless. Like right. same day on the water, what you did and what I didn't do. I like that's that's a big learning big way to learn for sure that's a that's a good one too man just because uh you know surrounding yourself with the right people uh you know we we all love going and traveling to these tournaments we all have a good time hanging out you know kyler and i have stayed you know together before and yeah. you know we have we have a good time man it's it's you know it's good memories but you know we we invest a lot of money into this and if you if you surround yourself with the wrong people you'll find yourself doing more beer drinking and stuff like that and, you know, dealing with a hangover than you will, uh, you know, actually fishing. So uh, you got to be careful with who you, who you surround yourself with, man. People are, there's, there's a lot of people that are out here to, you know, really try and learn and get better. And there's a lot of people that just use this as, um, you know, uh, an excuse to get out of the house and stuff like that, man. So that's a really good one. Yeah, for sure. Kyler? Man, so like my first one was just, and this has been talked about uh, uh, across a lot of uh, elite anglers, um, is just control the controllable. Control what you can, whether that be you know prep work, on the water mentality stuff. Like control what you can control, uh, and that's been really big for me this year, just because my first three events have gone horrible. Uh, you know, I. I would have a very good practice or I, I felt like that I was on them and, and I was going to do very well. And when you get absolutely crushed and you have no fish halfway through the day, or you only have three hours left, like at that point, you're trying, your mind starts scrambling. You, you, you start going into panic mode, trying to throw everything, just control yourself, take a minute and, and go with your confidence. And um, that tends out, tends to work out a whole lot better in the end than just getting angry and, and being upset or, you know, breaking, breaking off tying knots. Cause when you get upset, then you start making mistakes, mistakes that didn't need to even happen in the beginning, you know, in the first place. So yeah. Controlling the controllable. And unintentionally, I didn't mean to have four guys with beards on here. So 
It goes with the name of the show, man. Beer, bass, and, and yeah, those bass. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Justin, how about you? Uh, man, my first one's going to sound probably a little cliche, but, um, you know, it's, it's do your research. Uh, either there's, there's a surface level to that, you know, just kind of looking at a lake and browsing it over. Uh, or if you have experience with the lake, you know, uh, just kind of maybe going and looking at some stuff, you know, around what your, you know, your comfort level is, where you've been and whatnot, maybe trying to dissect that area a little bit more, but there's an, a more in depth, you know, understanding of your area. And, you know, one of the, one of the biggest challenges that we have as kayak anglers is, we have a very limited amount of time to cover a lot of water and really dissect these massive fisheries where, you know, these guys in bass boats, you know, they can zip 70 miles an hour down from one spot to the next. It takes us roughly an hour to get back to the ramp, load up, you know, and go somewhere else. And that's, you know, that's, that's really on the lower end, you know, cause uh, mm -hmm. you know, like a place like Kentucky Lake, man, it takes 30, 45 minutes to get anywhere on that lake, you know? So, uh, you know, doing your research, you know, and just really dissecting those areas, you know, doing as much as you can, you know, at home, you know, uh, and I'm not going to say watching, uh, you know, looking at fishing reports. I, I'm not a big fan of those, but, um, you know, studying the charts and whatnot and, and just kind of setting yourself up with a game plan to where you kind of have that set, you know, that, you know, and not, not really trying to get into a um, like a checklist so much to where you get, you know, kind of tunnel vision, but just knowing what you're looking for when you get out there into those certain areas, it's going to save you a lot of time. I was uh, reading an article not too long ago. I think it was Bass Fan or something like that, but they were interviewing Brandon Polinick and and Carl Jockinson, and they were they were talking about uh, one of the, one of the lakes they both did really well at. And one of the things that just kind of really stood off to me was you know just how much you know they knew about that lake, and Carl Jockinson was confident that he had found you know an area that you know he he thought that none of the locals even knew about, you know, so it just goes to show you, man, those guys, you know, are, they're, they're very detailed. They go in there, they know where every little point, every little bend in the channel is, you know, where the likely areas are for brush piles or where the case may be. So, you know, considering the time of year that you're fishing, what the pattern may be, just having that, you know, real depth, in-depth understanding is going to save you a lot of time where you can get from point A to point B you know, and be a lot more efficient. And, and a lot of these tournaments too, whether it's national or local, they're they're on the same bodies of water over and over and over. So it's mm -hmm. like you know, it's it's not like you're going to waste a bunch of time learning one body of water and then never go back because chances are you're going to go back at some point. So it's information that that can be useful later down the road too. For sure. Yeah. Uh, my second one is this is one that I've really focused on. I, I read this book on visualization and kind of. The only really the only thing I got from that is to be hyper focused on my casting. And that's not necessarily like I want to obviously want to make the right presentation. I think sometimes that can make a difference for sure. But for me, like whenever you're feeling like you're all thumbs or, you know, sometimes you get in the kayak, things just feel wrong. Like you're, you're just not in it. You're not in the zone or the flow or whatever kind of thing you want to call it. For me, the way I can get quickest from feeling like I'm just doing everything wrong or it doesn't feel natural or just not doing well is to absolutely like make your mind up. I am going to hyper focus on each cast, each turn of the reel, everything I'm doing, I'm blocking everything else out. 
and I am focusing on this one exact thing. And whenever I'm able to do that, and it seems like I'm really able to focus, is the better always, the better I do. So if I'm going from just sucking or whatever it is, a high, absolutely hyper focus. I, I can't stress that enough, like every single detail of everything you're doing. And it just kind of takes me out of the world of everything else and all other problems. I just focus on what I'm that cast exactly what I'm doing, not thinking about anything else, just focusing on that. And it, I mean, it, it, it puts me in it and that's, it's really, I feel like been a big factor in my fishing and how I've, you know, feel like I've gotten better over the last couple of years. If I had to pick one thing, that would probably be, it sounds yeah. crazy, but it's, it's a real thing for me. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. not crazy at all because, uh, you know, I, I kind of put it in my head that, all, all the stuff that all the stresses of life, everything that, you know, you're thinking about either on the way to the tournament or even on the way to the boat ramp and you're stressed out of all of that stuff, just just visualize a box, essentially put all of those stressors in that box and realize that you're leaving that at the boat ramp. As soon as you get into your boat, none of that matters. The only thing that matters is your next cast, your next fish. And the things, like I said just before, the things that you can control. Because when you're able to do that, for me, and I realized this at Santee Cooper, after I caught my first fish, I was hyper-focused on exactly what I needed to do. I made the bait change. I started catching some fish. Uh, and then I noticed that my flipping was just seamless, like going down cypress trees, flipping. And it was just like... I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't make a mistake because I was so in tune with myself and that and I left all of that crap that I stress about at the boat ramp and I didn't think about none of it. To me, it, it feels like going into a different gear. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, uh, I'm going to go old school here, like over the top, Sylvester Stallone, <laughs> like turn the hat back around. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. against Bull Hurley. Like I'm, whenever I get focused like that, it feels like, like I'm, you know, now like I'm you're in overdrive. It. You're ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what what's the what's the perfect music to get in that zone? Uh you know, there's there's like a balance, you know, you, oh, you get man. into metal, you you know, you get to going too hard. Yeah. <laughs> Some is too slow. Yeah. But I man, found that music kind of helps, you know, get in that zone a little bit too. My my favorite my I I used to I used to not listen to a lot of hip hop as a younger kid. However, I have found a style of hip hop that I really like. Uh, now, I used to listen to like uh, Wu Tang Trip Clan, Doctor so. Octagon. Exactly. Yeah. So some of that real life like hip hop stuff really gets me in tune. Like I, I love the beat, and I just I get in the zone. Yeah. I can't do it with country. There's no way. No. <laughs> no, that makes me want a beer. <laughs> exactly right. I just want to relax and, and have a beer and take yeah. my shirt off. <laughs> my, my favorite band's Alkaline Trio. So when, whenever I go to a ramp, that's usually when I'm like I'm trying to get, yeah, you know, not metal but hard. But yeah, like yeah. getting into it, Alkaline Trio is that's my thing. I don't know. It's Eminem until I collapse. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a good one. That's a good one. That's a that's solid a really choice. Yeah, absolutely. Nice, Sam. How about you? Uh, man, no one to abandon the spot. You're you're on you know if if you uh if you're That's on a spot happens. and you you pre-fished it and you did well and something changed you know whether it be water temp or clarity or the wind direction or you know you didn't expect that much pressure to be on 
that spot. You know, maybe you show up and there's eight or 10 people at your ramp and you're like, man, there's just not enough fish here. I can't share with these people, you know, know when to, to leave, you know, uh, have a, have a plan B. And if you don't have a plan B, uh, just take a minute and just, you know, roll the dice, man, you know, pick another ramp if you don't think you can do it. Um, and the other one would be, uh, know when to abandon a, a pattern that you'd maybe put together in the past, you know, when you pre-fished or that you think might be working. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm the world's worst at just beating the bank with a, a buzzbait or a jackhammer or a spinnerbait or, you know, a, a square bill for, for, you know, seems like hours without a bite, you know, and it's just because it's my confidence thing. You know, if I'm not covering water, I'm not confident. I, I'm not the type of person to slow down and, and throw a Senko or something like that. And that's what I, I should really work on, you know, because it gets big bites, man. It does. And I just, I just can't do it. Did, but that so was my, that was how, my how long do you take before you like abandon? Oh, man, that's, that's tough. You know, uh, I've heard some it just, people have it just like, depends. Yeah. Like a time certain, like an actual time, you know? Yeah. Like me and Dan, we fished the tournament, our first ACAT. Um, what was it? Last two weeks ago, wasn't it? It was yeah. two weeks ago. So um, I wasted three hours that morning and I was only on the water for 30 minutes of that three hours. Like I went to my ramp. There were four guys at my ramp, you know, and I got there and I'm like, I don't have a solid plan if with this many people here. Uh, I launched and I fished around for maybe 30 or 45 minutes. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to ride up river. And when I got up river, it was worse than when I, the water was worse than where I was at. So then I just, I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to totally change gears. I'm going to go all the way to the lake. And I didn't quite make it to the lake, but I made it so far down river. It must, it, it would have been lake. You know, it was mm -hmm. the tail end of the river where it came into the lake. Uh, but I still had access to a good feeder creek and a lot of good pockets and points. And, uh, you know, so I, I ended up catching four fish that day instead of five, which was the limit. Uh, but I had none when I got there at 10 o'clock. I, I, I got lucky. Like, uh, whenever I got to my ramp, I had never been there before. And two other guys showed up. And it was blowing so bad directly into the ramp. It was like 20, 25 mile per hour winds that yeah, day yeah. and storming. Like they're, they're like, you're a dumbass for going out there. <laughs> that, that's how I got the ramp to myself. It, it yeah, didn't, yeah. you know, I was out of that fourth place. I was out of the money, so it didn't matter. But yeah, that's why I got it to myself. I've, I've been in those situations, I'm sure you guys have too, where you show up to the ramp and you're the only one there and you start asking yourself like, yeah, what, uh, am I doing? what am I doing? 100%. <laughs> So at Santee Cooper, uh, you know, the ramp I showed up to, there was probably 20 other guys there. So, um, you know, and it was the only area that I had caught, more, you know, more than one fish in during practice. Well, a lot of the guys went, you know, a different direction than I did. About four of us went down to, you know, the, the area where I was going. And there was quite a few guys that were coming in and out of their practice and stuff like that. But the first thing that kind of stood out to me was two, three hours in, there was other bass boat tournaments that were going off down the lake nobody else was coming down there. And I was starting to take note of that, like, uh, this ain't good, man. You know, usually when you're in a good area, you know, people will make that run no matter how far it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that was one thing. I was going to ask you guys, I'm glad you brought that up, man, because that's, that's a good one. Because it's like, when do you when do you make that decision, you know, with all the elements that you can, you know, you know circumstances going on around you that you can kind of add up and make that decision? It's a tough one to make, but I've wondered if, if anybody else has looked for that clue, like nobody else is coming into the area and you're not catching anything, you know, is it time to bail? 
so my my the same thing happened to me at Santee, but in the opposite uh, opposite way. I, I put I rolled up to the boat ramp, and there was I put in. There was only two other people that put in there, and I figured that this boat ramp was going to be loaded down with some people. You know, you had 180 anglers, but it was just me, Mike, Elsie, and uh, one other gentleman there, and. Uh, I was like, well, I kind of feel okay if Mike is is here. He kind of know he knows what he's doing. Like, I feel okay, but I was like, uh, there should be more people here. Uh, I didn't catch. I, I think I caught my first fish like at eleven thirty though. Like, and it was just all because of that one bait change. Like, I threw a spinner bait all morning. The wind was blowing in. It seemed like it was perfect, and I kind of started. My mind started going a little bit, and after after I caught that first one, I made that bait change. I was like, I'm sticking this in my hand the rest of the day, uh, you know, uh, but I almost ended up packing up and leaving. Like I, I, I was this close to making that decision um, yeah. if I needed to do that or not. It's tough. Yeah, it is yeah, tough, man. It's, it's, it, it is. It's one of the toughest decisions, especially, you know, when you, uh, you have current to go back up against where I, where I put in that, I didn't, I didn't put it in there during the practice. And I found out that it was much closer ramped where I was going and I get to go in and dude, I'm doing like six miles an hour. I'm like, holy crap, man, there's there's current in here. And then the first thing I think is, holy crap, there's current in here. I got to go against that if I want to come back. So that was also a big deterrent, you know, on making that decision to go back. Because, you know, essentially when I went back at the end of the day, I was doing, you know, maybe a mile and a half, you know, a mile an hour out, you know, up that river. It was it was pretty bad. So it's it's one of the toughest decisions to make for sure. All right, Kyler, what's your second one? And so this one's, you can take this literal or you can take it, you know, metaphorically, but, you know, don't forget your toilet paper. Um, <laughs> you literally don't forget your toilet paper. Uh, for one, I always keep at least one roll in the boat. But uh, for two, you know, every time that I'm on the water or something, I, you know, excuse my French, but the oh shit factor kicks in, something happens. And you just got to be prepared for it. Like I've just, my whole thing for 2023 is just the, the mentality. And that's part of that. It's just, you got to be prepared for any situation that, that might, might happen. You, you just never know. Like you may run into a boater that um, you, you get into it with them. You have to keep yourself cool. You might, you, you don't know what's going to happen. Right. Uh, you, you may be faced with a 14 foot alligator. Like, like I had found one to my left at, Santee Cooper and didn't realize that he was even there. But when I looked over, he was smiling, smiling at me and it's just like, okay, like I got to be ready for that. So yeah, it was, it was not fun. Um, but he stayed, he stayed where he was at. I went on by and it, it kind of made me a little bit more comfortable, but like those situations that you find yourself in, you got to be prepared for it. So, you know, I, I don't, I got to ask y'all, like, what do you guys do to prepare for like those Oh shit moments? Like, do you guys have any any situations that you found yourself in? You're kind of, man, I wish I had my toilet paper. I've got too many oh shit stories, man. <laughs> More than I want to admit. Yeah, I I you know, it was Gunnersville was a good example of uh, of that, you know, and we were just talking about when to abandon an area, but my 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 oh shit moment was in practice that Thursday. I went into Belafonte not knowing that there was a boat ramp in the back of Belafonte. Yeah. 
So I went from Mud Creek all the way around in late oh, afternoon. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Luckily I had my motor. So like I wasn't paddling that the whole way, but uh, I had gotten on a fluke bike. I had one pop out of the water that I it had to have been three or four pounds. I had two 20 inches that I had tried not to hook, but I did because it's just that much fun. And I was like, I have to leave. Well, that, tournament day comes and I find out that there's a boat ramp there. And when I pull up, there's like 30 freaking trailers there. And Power. I end up putting in, but you know, it was just one of those oh shit moments. And I've just got to adjust and get prepared for a lot more pressure than I originally had thought. So uh, yeah, just, just bring your toilet paper, be prepared for everything. I, I, I read this book. I, I've said this before. I, I practice. Like I read a lot of stuff on stoicism. I, I mm-hmm. enjoy it. And the um, there's a book called The Obstacle is Away by Ryan Holiday. And it's just, you know, like I think about that a lot. Like it's it's not the bad thing that happens. It's how quick you can make, you can get past that to the next thing. Like yeah. if you're, you know, like it's, it's something bad's going to happen. Like if you have a milk run of spots, somebody's always going to be on your spot or, I mean, whatever it is, you just have the real thing is getting to the next thing or getting past that as quickly as possible, both mentally and mm-hmm. literally sometimes. But just moving the quicker you can move on, the quicker, the better you are on the water. Yeah, uh, I always like to, to keep Murphy's Law in the back of my head. Uh, whatever can happen will happen. So I just I, I'm always thinking about that, you know. Anywhere I go on the lake or if I'm in some backwaters, everything that can happen to me or whether that's good or bad will happen. So and seems to happen quite often. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That tree that you thought you're going to skip that sinkhole underneath. Nope. You just wrap your (laughs) line all around those branches. (laughs) Yeah. 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 How about you, man? Uh, Man, my second one is going to be to just kind of simplify things. kind of going along with some with what a lot of you guys are talking about, you know, but um, this is kind of more geared towards, you know, the newer angler. Um, and, and, and we're, we're all tackle geeks, you know, we all love buying a bunch of stuff and we all want to carry it with us as much as possible, but it really gets in your head, no you know, <laughs> it's a real problem, but um, you know, I've seen it a lot. I've, I've been, I've been witness. I mean, I've been uh, guilty of it myself plenty of times, and it starts to get in your head just because, you know, when you've got 15 colors of Cinco's in there, you're thinking, man, you know, it's not the green pumpkin blue. It's, it's going to be the green pumpkin purple, you know. And then before you know it, you know, every five casts, you're swapping out a Cinco and you've got a deck full of them. And uh, instead, it, it just could be a matter of like what Sam was saying, just cover water, you know, put the put the rod in front of you and just start cover water. And so, um you know, I, it, that's one thing that I, I'm I'm still working on myself a little bit, but you know, uh, I try to keep it in the back of my head, like you know, Kyler with uh, Murphy's Law, and uh, you know, just bass are not that. I I, I just personally, you know, I, I try to apply a lot of just simple logic into fishing. I I really don't think that fish can see those minute little you know different colors down there. You know, you're talking about an area where there's not much sunlight as it is, unless it's like really clear water. Um, and when, you know, we as anglers, we have all these tools at our disposal and we want to, you know, use them all because, you know, Hey, we bought them, we spent our money on them. We want to use them. So 
it just starts getting into your head and uh, overcomplicates things. You know, bass eat, you know, they eat shad, which are essentially white. You know, they eat bluegill and brown and perch. You know, it's not that complicated. So it's more about if, if you're not really getting bit, you know, it's probably not so much the color. It can be at times, um, but it's more oftentimes you're not in the right area. You know, there's something about that area, whether it's not the right habitat, you know, uh, water's dropped in there, the water color's changed, you know. So, you know, maybe make some other changes instead of uh, swapping out a bunch of different sinkos. But that's my number two. I mean, you can listen to Swindle on that. He's like, you know, he carries a brown jig and a black and blue jig, a black and blue trailer and a green pumpkin jig. And whenever, sometimes whenever things get crazy, he'll swap them. Like yeah. that, you know, that's it. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of what we hear, you know, in the book is is meant to sell to fishermen. You know, the red, you know, red is one one of the colors that bass see. You know, why why would that change from, you know, the wintertime or colder months to to the summer months? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we're, we're on Gunnersville, I, the first fish that I caught in practice, uh, it had a crawfish in its mouth and it was what, that was February, wasn't it? Kyler, I think it was, uh, right? yeah, no, it was like, March, early, it was either late February March. or yeah, March 3rd. Yeah. Some I mean, early March, man, you know, you're thinking, you're thinking red, there was not a red anything on that crawfish at all. It was green and brown. And so, I mean, that told me right there, I was like, dude, the, you know, the red, I mean, it's more of a water clarity thing, I think, than so much you know, that's what they're eating. It's that red colored crawfish. Um, and I know there's a scientist out there that could probably disprove me of that, but, you know, but I just think, you know, in terms of there's so many variables that we can get ourselves wrapped up in as fishermen that we just confuse the, and we confuse ourselves. And um, if we can simplify things as much as possible, I think we'll be better off. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, Sam, I'm talking to you on this one. Sometimes you have to go finesse. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm I'm not picking on you, man. But and I own one spinning rod. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I can honestly like one, I'm one. I, I'm weird. People say like, oh, well, you know, how do you fish? Like I, I really I do a little bit of everything, but mine are like I'm on one end and or the other. It's either like swim jig, frog, big top water, or it's like spinning rod. Like I don't throw a lot of things in the middle. Like as I think, you know, I'll throw a chatterbait, spinnerbait, and all that stuff sometimes. But <clears throat> sorry, but a lot of my stuff is like big grass stuff and super finesse. I'm very strange that way. Well, I'm, very, I'm very strange in a lot of ways, but that's one of them. But the um, but yeah, sometimes you know you don't want to start like on that Lake Martin event, the biggest fish I caught was an 18 on wacky rig and a foot of water way underneath the dock in a pocket. And I caught a spot. Don't I have no, I've never caught a spot in a place like that before in my life. It had to have been spawning, but, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to pull out the spinning gear or the bait finesse or whatever it is. Don't be, And this isn't for every everybody. I mean, you know, a lot of people throw them like me, and that's that's cool. I would say for people that throw it a lot, try not to start with that. Have the mentality. Do the opposite. Don't go finesse. Don't start out finesse unless it's, the conditions are just crap and you're just hoping to get five fish. I mean, sometimes that's the plan and all you can do. And maybe you run into something, but... If you go finesse all the time, try not to go finesse. And if you never go finesse, try to go finesse. 
because either way, you know, sometimes finesse are going trying to go big and trying to get that bigger bite and go for the throat and actually trying to win one. Either both ends at spectrum can be the right answer sometimes. But try whichever one you're not doing, try that one sometimes. I don't that, even that, think that my spinning general. stuff is finesse, though. I don't even consider my spinning rod can finesse. I still have like 30, 30 pound braid with like a really? 15 pound leader. And I like that's with my wacky, my, my wacky rig Senko, but like it is a medium heavy, extra fast rod with a 3000 sized reel. Like, you know, but granted, like I, I never. I never have fished anywhere that's like super, super clear other than Lake Champlain. Everything in Kentucky has color to it. Everything in Tennessee or anywhere that I have fished, I always try to find that water that has a little bit of color to it because then I can go heavier. I can throw my big jigs. I can throw a big flipping bait. I, I have a tube that I throw. It's like a four and a half inch tube. And it's, I mean, it's like a cuss. They don't even make it anymore, but it's probably one of the biggest tubes that I've ever seen and I can catch fish on it. And it's just a confidence thing for me, but I, I don't know. I, to me, I can throw a Ned rig if I really have to, but it, it pains me to have to sit there and throw a Ned rig. I just can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I have three spinning rods and they all have 12 pound, uh, 12 pound braid to either six, eight or 10 pound. I carry all three mm -hmm. liter spools. So I've, depend on what I'm doing. I put different leader on there, but they all had 12 pound braid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm a I, I, love, I carry I one spinning rod. If, at best. <laughs> there you go. Most of the time mine stays in the truck. Bring it with you sometimes. Bud. Sam, it, it's probably Sam's banana. He just doesn't want to bring it onto the boat. It's bad luck for him. Bring a spinning rod. Like, uh, look, look at our buddy Chuck. I mean, he won Coleman Angler of the Year last year, and that yeah. man does not, he does not bring a spinning rod nope. ever. So, he I'm not saying that. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to, but some, I, I, I've caught the last two years, I've weighed in more fish on a wacky rig than I have any other bait. I mean, it's, there's no doubt about it. You just, it oh, just that thing's a fish catching machine. There's yeah. no doubt about oh, yeah. it. Oh, yeah. I, I need to get show it more love than I do because I'm just stubborn like that. But you know, I caught my biggest one on Santee throwing a, a wacky rig Senko, like a 19 inch. Um, and I, I kind of locked those two two rods. I was kind of alternating between that and a Texas rig, and I was started catching a few, but it was definitely something that I had to force myself to throw. And, and that's, I mean, for me, it's been all the way from Okeechobee to everywhere I've been. And, like, I went to Texas last, well, year before last and caught a 24 on a 8-pound line and a, you know, a Mega Bass Okashira. So, I mean, it, it can catch big fish to it. So, don't, mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes it'll only catch little ones. But, you know, sometimes uh, they go and finesse like an 8-3 on Gunnersville I caught a couple of years ago. That was on a Nico rig. Like, seems like a lot of my bigger bites come on either something really big and are way up in the grass or super finesse too. So, I don't do you do you find that you uh, do you do you have to work a finesse? I mean, a wacky rig more often to get the bite, or is it usually hit for you on the fall? 
like if you're skipping it up yeah. under a tree or up around grass it's, it's usually yeah it's usually on that fall like yeah you can pull it out a little bit and do a little bit of twitching and do whatever but most of the time they're either if they're there they're going to bite it like it, it's not like you have to spend a lot of time bringing it out and put a lot of action to it if if they're going to bite it they would have bought it that they would have bitten it pretty much as soon as you put it in there yeah that's that's the same with me i just uh wondered if there's you know i like to like to learn from other people that you know throw it a lot more you know if they have even more success you know kind of working it a little bit more and stuff like that or just you know usually on that fall but yeah i'll, I'll throw it in the nastiest uh, every now and then like I, I was fishing it was a logan martin event and um or so i don't remember where it was i I threw it, I mean, I throw it in the nastiest places. You'd be like, man, you'd never throw anything finesse under there. And I will put it in the middle, you know, like places a bait has never been and catch them and get them out and just don't be afraid of, you know, get good line, tie a good knot. And, you know, that's okay. Yeah. Sam, how about you? Uh, My third one is, uh, you know, we put a lot of stress on ourselves you know, prepared for a tournament or, you know, pre-fishing for a tournament or worried about, you know, are the fish going to be there? How many people are going to be there? Uh, just go fishing. At the end of the day, man, just go fishing and just leave everything at the ramp. Quit worrying about everything. Uh, a lot of times that's that's what's best, you know. I've had some of my best success on days where I didn't pre-fish at all, you know. Uh, just just went fishing, you know. Yeah. But you're that's really about it. Um, just Just go fishing. Just have a good time. It's it's so easy to get caught up in, you know, if you have a you know some sponsors or your family is watching Tourney X or whatever it is, just you know putting a lot of undue stress on yourself. It doesn't. It does not help. Nah, not at all. In any way. Nah. <laughs> yeah. I, I try to look at that stress as like pressures. Pressure is a good thing. Um, now, now I may be weird in saying that, but. Uh, for me, if if my fiance is watching Turdy X, or if I know that my dad's watching Turdy X and following along, and that adds pressure for for me, and it kind of amplifies that focus a little bit. Um, now I, I know that it can get to some people, and it gets under their skin, and they, they start making mistakes. And it just it that I think just comes with time, uh, just time of of more tournaments, getting yourself under those pressure situations to kind of. Okay, now I'm comfortable with it. I'm comfortable with this amount of pressure. I'm I'm comfortable, and it's not bothering me. It's actually going to help me amplify my focus and in, in the next cast or whatever. There you go, Tyler. What what's your last one, man? Man, my last one is uh, one that I'm really OCD about, and it's line management. I am. Um, I'm kind of like Brandon Polinick. I, I spend a whole lot of money on on line every year. You know, fluoro, I don't know. I, I just, for me, it, it goes back to the control, the controllable. And if I feel like that my line is compromised in any way, like I'm going to switch that whole spool out. I don't, I don't add leader knots. I don't do any of that with my bait cast stuff. I don't do braid to leader knots. You know, most of my stuff is is, is straight fluoro, and and it's just one of those things. And I know a lot of people. It's it's hard for a lot of people to be able to afford to do that because fluoro is expensive. Um, but at the very least, like check your knot often, as often as you you think about it. Just keep checking your knots. Uh, look up about 
I don't know, three or four feet up your line. See if there's any kinks at all, because that's where your breaks are going to happen. Uh, if it's further down in the school, yeah, you could probably get away with with, with that no problem um, and then deal with it after the tournament. But that that first four feet, four to five feet of your your fluoro is is crucial. Um, and so I'm constantly checking, I'm constantly changing my, my fluoro. Uh, even if I take half a spool off and I do a lead or not and I spool on another half while I'm on the water, at least I know that that, that second half that's in the water is is going to be okay. Um, so just, yeah, just keep keep an eye on your line. Um, it is the most important connection that you have with catching a fish. What, know, uh, what doesn't what, matter if it breaks. What, what, what kind of fluoro do you use? Man, so I, I've bounced between a lot. Um, now, do you want like the best fluoro that I think, or do you want the best budget-friendly fluoro that I think? Whatever both. you want, man. Yeah, both. <laughs> both. Okay, so like the, the best – the best budget floral that you can possibly get is the Yozuri T7. It's $15 for a 200 yard spool. I can use it for a good while before you really start seeing the, the memory really pop, really start showing really bad in the, in the line. Um, it, as far as like the best floral, um, it's not a major brand, but Defiant Fishing, who I'm partnered with, they make all of their floral is, is made from Japan. Um, in some of one of the same factories as one of the top brands um, that 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 it, that comes from Japan itself, but uh, I've not had a single issue out of out of any of their stuff at all. Uh, now I've tried Sunline. Sunline's all right. Uh, I've had more breakages on Sunline. I love Seaguar. Seaguar's top notch. Uh, I just can't really afford the Tatsu uh, for as much as I uh, change my line out. Um, the Invisex is really good. I've used the red line a lot or red label. So in fact, Invisex, what I've been using for years mm -hmm. and years. Yeah, it's it's top notch stuff, but I, I would suggest trying some of that Yozuri T7 stuff or even just the, the regular Yozuri. It's like 10 bucks for a 200 yard spool if you're really on a budget. Um, that will that will suffice. Uh, it'll get the job done. Um, it's it's abrasion, abrasion resistance is it, pretty, pretty up there. Justin, last one, man. Man, mine's going to come um, in the wake of the forward-facing sonar crave. Um, I know it's it, it's all the talk. I love talking about this on my show and stuff as well, But uh, and I'm all for it. Uh, but just do not lose sight of everything else that fishing was built on, all the important things that are going on around you. Um, I've, I've heard this too many times, man, and it, and it really just kind of upset I me. Mean, this kind of makes me cringe is, you know, people that have not been fishing for very long, uh, you know, are saying or are, are getting this technology and thinking that it's going to be the answer to all their questions. And there's that is just not the case at all. There's still so much to learn. There's still so many variables to consider uh, all the, you know, everything going on around you, the birds, you know, the water conditions, the water clarity just bass behavior in general, man, there's so much to learn. I feel like before you, anyone should ever, you know, just, you know, dive into that technology. And, and there's, there is a lot to learn from that technology as well. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, in, in this wake of, of this, of this technology and, and the push for it and stuff like that, 
I just, I just, you know, I, I personally would not suggest it to new anglers and stuff like that. Get out there and just enjoy it, man. Enjoy being in the outdoors, you know, look for those birds, those different kinds of birds, you know, that are, um, you know, diving, you know, those, all those little clues that you can, you know, you can pick up on that uh, essentially are going to lead you to where these fish are or whether or not. So, um, you know, appreciate the technology and use it, you know, as you develop in your skills and stuff, um, apply it when and where you can, but don't get so locked into it, man. Cause there's a lot going on around you that, uh, that you can miss out on real, real quick that can, um, that can also, you know, point you in the right direction, essentially. For sure. Cool. Well, uh, man, all those were great. Hopefully everybody found, you know, at least if you can just pick one and then start down a path of, of trying to, you know, trying to adapt that into your into your own fishing hopefully hopefully it's helped uh want to give everybody a chance to shout out whoever makes fishing easier for you we'll start with you sam and where can people find you uh i'm on instagram at uh sam cox 2537 uh facebook just sam cox uh the only company i officially work with is the yak shack and pelham just the yak shack. yeah that's right uh just a local kayak shop here in birmingham uh actually in pelham just right outside of birmingham so, good people for sure yeah, absolutely yeah tyler oh where do i start um honestly ten, ten, i want to just about the trail too oh yeah yeah i'll, I'll definitely mention that uh but first i kind of just want to thank uh my my very really my very first partnership that i've ever had was with strictly sailed uh brian and everybody up there in cincinnati they just they run a top-notch shop uh they'll hook you up with everything that you need um you just call Brian or, or if, they, if he doesn't have it on his website, he probably has it in the store and it's probably not on the site yet. Um, he gets tons of stuff every week. He'll hook you up with whatever you need. Um, but yeah, they, they, they've been nothing but great to me. And, and um, yeah, so there's that. And then I run bluegrass kayak anglers out of uh, based out of Kentucky. Um, we have a great trail. We're a hundred percent payout. We're a nonprofit org organization. Uh, we're giving away a new canoe loaded down with like a Garmin unit, a bunch of Yak Attack stuff. It's going to be tournament ready. Um, we do raffles at every single event. We have an event this weekend on Green River Lake uh, this Saturday. It's a $50 entry fee for members. You don't have to be a member to fish it. Uh, it'll be $60 for non-members. Um, but it, it'll be a great time. Like I said, I think before we were talking about it, uh, past three weeks it's been like 19 to 21 pounds we'll take it to win local bass tournaments out of there right now and it's just getting better so um it's a relatively smaller lake uh but the the bass fishing is is, is really good there right now so uh check us out we're on we got bluegrasskayakinglers.com we're on facebook we're on instagram just uh give us a follow if you have any questions you can add me on facebook and i'll help you out with whatever i can Cool. And God bless all the TDs out there that can make all this possible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just I have a whole new appreciation for it. Oh, dude. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Man, I just want to take the opportunity to uh, just kind of plug uh, an event that we got coming up. Um, one of my sponsors, S.Y. Wilson and Company and Primary Tackle out here in uh, Arlington, Tennessee. We uh, This is our second year doing a uh, St. Jude charity tournament. It's, it's actually being ran in conjunction with uh, what has been called the St. Jude uh, Kayak, I mean, I'm sorry, St. Jude Bass Classic. Uh, it's been held, that tournament has been held on Sardis Lake out here in Mississippi. Not a very well-known popular lake, but it puts out about 20, 25 pounds, you know, each year to win it. 
Um, and this is the second year running that we are going to be having a kayak tournament on Lake Enid, which is just uh, 15 minutes up the road. That's going to be held on Saturday, the, that weekend of uh, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, Enid Lake is not a really big um, pleasure boater lake, so and there's a lot of really awesome backwater. We gave away a Hobie um, passport last year. But this is a really big opportunity for us as kayak anglers as this sport is really growing and, and we're able to, you know, actually, you know, generate a lot of a lot of money to give back and, you know, to children in need and other, you know, um, charitable donation, you know, uh, type things. You know, so we're, we're teaming up with them. Um, the St. Jude Bass Classic has raised over four and a half million dollars. This is their 50th year anniversary. Uh, we're gonna have a lot of big giveaways and stuff like that. Uh, Sy Wilson's gonna be there with with giveaways. Uh, my sponsor Corky's. They're gonna be giving um, supplying everybody with a meal. But you guys, um, Corky's barbecue, right? That's it. Yep. Man, how the uh, heck do you get a barbecue sponsor, bro? <laughs> I I need to seriously take some notes. <laughs> and come out here, man. We'll feed you up, dude. But. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be a great time, man. You know, uh, we're just trying to build this thing up, you know, and there's a lot of really good, a lot of you know, good anglers in the you know, Mississippi, Tennessee, Arkansas, Alabama area. And we'd love to encourage you all to come out. But uh, I'm going to be doing a live, I'm going to be doing a show on my podcast, Lines of Yak Fishing, this Friday at 6 p.m. Central. And we'll be talking a little bit more about it. The entry fee for that is like $100. So um, love to have you out. Cool. And great show, too. If if y'all haven't listened to it, please do. It. I appreciate it. Yeah, that. it's a great, great show. Podcast, man. I'll be honest, man. I've kind of been absent the past uh, few months, but just needed some time off from it. But, man, the the podcast is is a grind. I, I definitely understand. <laughs> it is, man. I, I, I know the life, especially when you start a new job, man. So that's been my yeah. deal lately. But I hear you. Thanks, well, guys. cool. We, well, appreciate y'all being on, and thanks everybody for listening. We'll see y'all again next week. Take it easy. Now take All it right. easy, guys.